Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics, the Vote 2019 edition on CPAC. Day 16 of the campaign, 25 days remaining until voting day October 21st. The climate, SNC-Lavalin and housing dominate the campaign conversation today. Our party commentators debate the latest campaign promises. We'll get the latest on the election battle on Vancouver Island and on ridings to watch. Can two Liberals in Edmonton buck the trend in Alberta again? But first, our Day 16 primer. Our campaign coverage today begins with the Conservative leader, Andrew Scheer. He chose Justin Trudeau's riding of Papineau in Montreal to announce a Conservative government would launch a judicial inquiry into the SNC-Lavalin affair and bring in legislation called the No More Cover-Ups Act to allow the RCMP to apply to the Supreme Court to get access, if ever needed, to information and witnesses protected by Cabinet confidence in any investigation. We will pass the No More Cover-Ups Act to prevent corrupt politicians like Justin Trudeau from hiding behind cabinet confidentiality to escape police investigation. Cabinet confidentiality exists to protect sensitive matters of policy in order to create good policy. It doesn't exist to protect corrupt leaders. That is why, in the most serious criminal cases, we will allow the RCMP to ask the Supreme Court of Canada to rule on the disclosure of evidence. No longer will a corrupt Prime Minister be able to be the gatekeeper of his own crimes. Scheer was pressed on whether going after Justin Trudeau over SNC-Lavalin is a good political move, since surveys show Quebecers have accepted Justin Trudeau's explanation that he got involved in the SNC-Lavalin case to protect jobs. I know that Quebecers are tired of being used as the excuse for Justin Trudeau's uh, scandals. We saw the same thing during the sponsorship scandal. Uh, Quebecers have seen uh, uh, what it's like when, uh, when corrupt practices are able to uh, go on unchecked. Uh, and when we talk to people throughout Quebec, they are just as concerned about the undermining of our justice system as any other Canadian. It's a beautiful day for that. The Liberal leader campaigned in Sudbury, Ontario today, where he canoed briefly with some young people at a conservation area before announcing a re-elected Liberal government will take measures to protect 25% of Canada's lands and oceans by 2025. Currently about 17% of coastline and 12% of land is protected, below what Liberals had promised to achieve by now. A new Liberal government will continue down the path of conservation and environmental protection. Because we know the best way to serve Canadians is to make life more affordable today and plan ambitiously for tomorrow. Justin Trudeau is also promising to expand the Learn to Camp program so that every child is taught camping skills by grade 8 and to spend $150 million a year by 2024 to fund free camping trips for 75000 lower-income families every year, including free camping spaces and a travel bursary of up to $2,000 to help them get to a national or provincial park. And he once again demonized Ontario Premier Doug Ford and Federal Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Do you know who misled voters? Doug Ford said he was for the people, then turned around and cut services for everyone while cutting taxes for the wealthiest. And Andrew Scheer 
is putting forward exactly the same vision that Stephen Harper lost on in 2015 because Canadians made a different choice. And Andrew Scheer wants us to double down on the kinds of conservative leadership that we see from the Rocky Mountains to the Bay of Fundy that is fighting against action on climate change. The NDP leader campaigned in British Columbia for a third day. Today, Jagmeet Singh was on Vancouver Island, where the NDP faces a stiff challenge in all five of the seats it held when the election was called. Jagmeet Singh is promising housing help for renters, as much as $5,000 a year for as many as 500,000 Canadian families, who are paying more than 30% of their pre-tax income for housing. The benefit would cost the federal treasury $1.35 billion a year and the provinces would be asked to kick in $400 million. According to the PBO, this will, this will make the difference for families that are unable to pay their bills. For families that are making a tough choice between do they pay for their groceries or do they pay rent? Do they buy the medication they need or do they pay for their rent? These are difficult choices that families are making, far too difficult for far too many families and we'll put an end to that. Singh, too, supports a judicial inquiry into the SNC-Lavalin affair, but says the Conservative leader needs to be clear on whether he's okay with companies facing criminal charges being offered deferred prosecution agreements by the government. The root cause of this problem was a deferred prosecution agreement, and he hasn't talked about that. He hasn't talked about independence of, of ensuring that if a wealthy, powerful corporation is charged with a crime, are we going to maintain independence? Uh, so what we've said and what we've committed to is this. We would ensure, first off, that we would not uh, allow DPAs to be used. That if a corporation is charged with a serious offence, that they would not be allowed to continue to lobby the government. Uh, so what we're proposing are real metrics, real measures, that would actually prevent this thing from happening in the future. The Green Party leader, Elizabeth May, campaigned in Montreal today. She repeated her pledge to cancel the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion and redirect funding to a national grid to transmit renewable energy from coast to coast to coast. So as the government of Canada, we will pull the plug on wasting a single additional nickel on the incredibly inane, poorly researched decision to buy a pipeline that couldn't pass muster in the free market and completely violates our climate goals. Then we'll have the 10 to $13 billion for a different non-budgetary transaction working to establish a Canadian grid strategy to get renewable, decarbonized electricity from one part of this country to the other. And that's the kind of day it's been, day 16 of the campaign. Well, let's follow up on the campaign announcements today with three-party commentators. Jeff Turner is a Liberal commentator. He's with me in our studio here. And from Toronto, we're joined by Andrew Brander. He's a Conservative commentator. And Tom Parkin is an NDP commentator. Good to see you all, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Thanks. Andrew, let me start with you, if I can. Let's begin sure. with the Conservative pledge today from Andrew Scheer to call a judicial inquiry into the SNC-Lavalin affair and uh, bring in a law to allow the RCMP to go to the Supreme Court to have Cabinet confidentiality lifted. I'm wondering about the political wisdom of making that pledge in Justin Trudeau's riding in Quebec, where there's a feeling in the province of Quebec that he, he, he mostly did the right thing. He got involved in SNC-Lavalin to protect jobs. So are you worried this could backfire for Conservatives in Quebec? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think, look, there's still a lot of unanswered questions uh, on the SNC scandal. Uh, and if the Prime Minister's not, not willing to stand up and, uh, and take responsibility and answer those, answer those questions for Canadians, 
then someone's got to. And I think it's a very timely announcement given uh, the conversation that's going on right now. There's a lot of cynicism, a lot of mistrust of politicians. Just in general, you look at the situation going on south of the border. I think this is a very topical conversation where, uh, you know, it, it sometimes takes a, a greater authority to come in and answer those questions because no one's above the law. Okay. Tom Park and SNC-Lavalin back on the agenda, at least for today, should it be? It's, it's an important issue, so it, it should never disappear because we, we really truly don't know at, uh, what happened in all these processes and, and, you know, we never heard the full, the full testimony. So it continues to be an issue. Politically, how this plays, uh, Mr. Scheer went right to uh, the Liberal leaders riding. That was the point of it. It was sort of a, uh, a confrontation kind of idea whether it was intended to play in Quebec or whether it was intended to play to the larger Canadian audience. I suspect more the latter than the former. And um, the, I, th I think the, the, the point here is for him to uh, try and bring it back to some of the negatives that people have about Mr. Trudeau in, the, in kind of backroom deals that he's been he's been part of over, over the last number of years that become controversial. Right. Okay, so, you know, Andrew Shear is talking SNC-Lavalin, Jagmeet Singh was talking housing today and affordability, and Jeff Turner, your leader, was talking about the environment. But let, let me start with the SNC-Lavalin sure. issue and, and, and what your response is to having Andrew Shear throw that out again today. I, I think it was pretty clearly a stunt, and I think the fact that it was done in the Prime Minister's riding underscores that point, just from an objective perspective. I think the SNC issue has always been a strategic and tactical plan for the Conservatives throughout the election, and I think it just hasn't come up in a while, and this was their moment to try to bring it back onto the agenda. I think there's been some good legal analysis, actually, in the hours since that announcement that really the promise to go straight to the Supreme Court really just cuts out two lower levels of government, which the RCMP are able to go through today. So it doesn't actually really fundamentally change the ability of an investigator to get that information, but they still can do it through the courts today. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's probably more of a one or two day stories. Also interesting that Mr. Shearer went to Montreal on the eve of the climate march, which I know we're going to talk about yeah. later, but that's also perhaps a miscalculation. It's a little bit like being in the same community as a pride parade and not going to it the day after. All right, we're going to talk about that in just a bit, but, but let, me, uh, let me stick with you for a second, then I'm sure. going to go to Andrew. So you, you, Justin Trudeau announced today you know, uh, a pledge to protect more land, more water, uh, but he also announced uh, this seemed to come out of nowhere, this pledge to send more kids to camp at mm -hmm. a cost of $150 million by 2024. Mm -hmm. Is that what the federal government's in the business of doing, sending kids to camp? I think they're in the business of trying to help uh, kids in particular who have been disadvantaged, and they've done it through a number of policies like the Canadian Child Benefit and other things. In this instance, it's helping those kids get the same kind of experience that kids who perhaps have a bit more privilege in life have the ability to go and learn how to camp. Uh, and I think the Prime Minister himself is, has always been clear that he comes from a, a, a place where he's enjoyed nature as a young person. He's grown up in that community. He's an excellent canoeer, as we saw today. And I think helping people who may not be exposed to the beauty of Canada outside of our our urban areas or our towns uh, is an important opportunity okay. that they can offer to people. A Andrew, where do you think that, uh, that sending kids to camp should rank on the list of priorities when, when money can be tight? Yeah, I think what's shocking about this or what's most shocking about this announcement is that it's draped in this, uh, in this mask of it being part of a climate plan. Um, and I think yesterday you saw the Prime Minister pressed uh, when, you know, he makes these uh, these commitments um, to, you know, net zero uh, emissions by 2050 when, you know, he's veering way off course to, to meet the, the commitments that he personally signed on to 
to meet Paris commitments by 2030. I mean, the fact is this is just a distraction. Yesterday, he got called on it. People said, you don't have a plan. You don't have real actions laid out. And today, he came out with a $2,000 subsidy to, to send kids to camp. That's not a climate plan. All right, uh, Tom Parkin, what's your view on this? And in the context of, of, of Jagmeet Singh today was talking about the need to uh, provide uh, uh, rental benefits, a, su a supplement for families who can't afford uh, to pay for rent if it's more than 30 percent uh, of their before-tax income. Uh, how do you view this announcement from Justin Trudeau today? Well, Peter, this is the next installment on the paper napkin tour. We, we've seen a series of announcements over the last few days that no detail. Uh, when pressed, as, as mentioned, uh, when pressed the other day for details on the climate plan, it was, well, let's get elected first and we'll figure it out later, sort of. You know, I think people can see through this. Singh's plan, um, well, I should say, back it up and just say, you know, this is, this is why we have a housing crisis. It's because there hasn't been sufficient policy detail to people's real needs. And rents go up and up and up. And Mr. Trudeau's housing plan, his much ballyhooed, billions of dollars uh, kind of uh, mirage plan, it, as it turns out from the PBO, uh, it actually delivers 19% less money based on GDP, 19% less uh, related to GDP than the Harper plan did. And we were all very critical of the Harper plan. So we have less and less social housing and affordable housing getting, getting built uh, according to requirement. So, th th you know, the market gets tighter, the prices go up. All right, and here is the crisis. So Mr. Singh's thing is we can put more money into building, but people are living in a crisis right now and they need the help to make the rent because we have so many people who cannot even, uh, who are spending far more than 30% of their household right. income Jeff, Jeff, let me let you, rent. Let me let you respond to that. And this is in the context of we've, we've, we heard Justin Trudeau on the campaign trail today too, uh, slamming Doug Ford again and cuts. And I guess some people wonder, well, okay, if we have $150 million to encourage more families to go camping, isn't that money that could be better spent on housing or better spent on transfers to the provinces, for instance? I think those those expenditures are happening and they're part of the plan and this is a supplement to that um, and in terms of the wisdom of doing it I think it, it knits well into the entire plan um, but the Liberals certainly, certainly do have policy on housing on affordability issues on helping people retrofit their homes to make them more energy efficient they're addressing this they're addressing this through other social policy levers like I mentioned before the Canada Child Benefit lifted 900,000 Canadians including 300,000 children out of poverty uh, with 6,400 tax-free dollars in their pocket uh, on an annual basis in fact they're raising that number for parents of infants. All right. Uh, let, me, let me talk about the climate marches tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have more on that in our program coming up. But, uh, Andrew, uh, let me start with you. Uh, Justin Trudeau is going to be in Montreal. Elizabeth May is going to be in Montreal for the climate marches. Jagmeet Singh will be at the climate march in Victoria. Andrew Shear is taking a pass. How come? Well, look, these marches are happening uh, from coast to coast. I think he said today, you know, they're, they're an important sign, an important signal to show that uh, Canadians are united in the need to do something about climate change. And, and we are. And in large part, a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the policies um, are, are, very, are very similar amongst, amongst the parties on this. So while, while conservative candidates across the country will be partaking in it, um, you know, the, the leaders decided um, that he, he's added his voice of, of support to this. We'll have candidates across the country supporting, supporting doesn't these it marches. Say something, doesn't it say something different, though, if the leader of a party in an election campaign, the man who wants to be prime minister, 
isn't part of the march? He says, I'll send somebody else? No, I think a march is one thing. I think a record is another thing. And I think what Canadians really care about is, uh, is holding to account those people that have actual records on this. And uh, the only person that has to answer for uh, a record of failure on delivering on the policies uh, that affect climate change is Justin Trudeau himself. Jeff, let me go to you on this, and then I'll go to Tom Parker. Why is it important for a leader to be there? It's important to show that they resonate with what a supermajority of citizens in this country are starting to really, really focus on, which is that climate change is an existential threat to our way of life, it's an existential threat to our economy, and it's an existential threat to the economic security of Canadians. Uh, to deal with that, now on the flip side, in our polling, people are very concerned about it, but people are also very leery of how it's going to impact any actions are going to impact their personal situation. Right. So a, a responsible government is trying to balance those two. And I think what's being offered by the other parties is either let's go back and let's not set hard targets and let's just hope that people invent some technology. And on the other side, let's kick out the jams from uh, 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 you know, Canadian economic fundamentals and put at risk the economic security with some really radical social and, and, and uh, economic transformations. The plan in the middle, I think, has shown to Canadians over the last four years that things that have been said were impossible have been done. Action has been taken and progress is being made. And I think the Liberal plan, I think, probably resonates with more people than, than our critics. Uh, uh, Tom, Tom, let me hear you on this. Uh, as I say, Jagmeet Singh, your leader, your, uh, the NDP leader, will be at the, the march in Victoria. Um, should Andrew Scheer be there and, and, and that he's not there says what to you and respond to Jeff Turner as well? Well, you know, uh, Mr. Scheer is going to make his own decision, but I think he's, he's sending a signal. Uh, to his own support base in the way that he sends a signal to his support base about non-attendance at uh, pride events. It's a subtle thing of, I don't, you know, not really my constituency, I don't really care too much. Uh, you know, the last four years uh, have really been a failure on the climate front. Uh, we've got Environment Canada reports that show that uh, between uh, 2016 and 17, our, our carbon emissions actually went up. Uh, we have a prime minister who just in the last few days and many of his other ministers and MPs were saying, oh, this is all fine. We got it so in hand that we're already going to nail the 2015 date. Well, nobody believes that. And it's now becoming a matter of trust. Is how, can we, how can we listen to uh, Mr. Trudeau say that the 2013 target is basically already met uh, when no, there's no report that says such a thing? In fact, the Parliamentary Budget Office said that the price on carbon would have to go, I think, to over 100 I think it might have been $103, right. and we're at two, $20 okay. right now. Uh, you know, that's just evidence that he had. there's a gap to be worked on. And for him to tell us that there is no such gap, that's just not true. He can't, he right. can't continue to say those things. We'll have to leave it on that. Tom Parkin, Andrew Brander, and Jeff Turner, thank you all for your time today. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, thank you. Peter. Well, an estimated 300,000 people will jam the streets of Montreal on Friday in what's expected to be the largest climate march in the country. It will be led by Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg. And as you heard, major party leaders will join the marches, but not Andrew Scheer. Here's what the leaders had to say today. There has been an extraordinary amount of mobilization by young people and by Canadians across this country and indeed around the world calling for real action on climate change. We have done a lot over the past four years. We brought in a price on pollution right across the country. We move forward on banning single-use plastics, and Andrew Scheer still has to say whether or not he will ban single-use plastics. We're phasing out coal. We're uh, investing in zero-emission vehicles. We're moving forward on protecting more of our nature, including with these ambitious announcements today. So I look forward 
to marching with thousands of Canadians tomorrow in Montreal, like people are marching right across the country and around the world to fight for the environment. Uh, I will be uh, in Vancouver tomorrow. I know there's a big uh, march planned here, uh, uh, and we will have representation at that. Our members of Parliament and our candidates will be participating in that. No, but will you personally be participating in any of these events? I will be sending my support to them, and uh, I will be in Vancouver with other uh, events uh, uh, on the campaign, and we'll be making uh, announcements tomorrow and, and being accessible to the public. Um, you know, I'm moved by young people. And young people are demanding that world leaders listen. They're demanding that people do something. They're saying it's their future. Young people are saying, we are worried about the future. We are afraid. And if young people, a young person says that he or she's afraid, that they're afraid of the future, I mean, that to me is a massive, just irresponsible lack of understanding of what kids are going through. So for me, I want to say to those young people, I understand that you're worried. I stand with you. This is a moment when in a climate emergency, we have to say regardless of where you're from or what party you used to vote for, if you're listening to our children, what you hear is all hands on deck right now. Catherine Abreu is the Executive Director of Climate Action Network Canada. She is in New York City for the UN Climate Summit and will be in Montreal for the big march on Friday. Uh, Catherine Abreu, good to speak with you again. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, good to see you, Peter. Let's start with some context for these marches, including the big one planned for Montreal. Why are these demonstrations different than ones we've seen in the past calling for action on climate change? I mean, a big part of the difference, of course, is scale. So we are expecting hundreds of thousands of people on the streets of Montreal tomorrow. We had four million people around the world on the streets in different countries on Friday last week. And I can remember four years ago when we were impressed with getting 25,000 people into a march in Quebec City. So the scale is much larger. It's also, of course, different who's in the marches. Mm. They're being led by young people. Uh, they're happening on the Fridays, modeled after the Fridays for Future strike movement, where students across the world have been taking Fridays off school to protest and demand more action on climate change from governments. And they've, this time around, invited the adults to join them. So we have more people than ever, younger people than ever, and also, I think, a more diverse range of adults who are getting riled up about the need for enhanced climate action and are ready to really demand that of their decision makers. I think that's really, really part of the, the change, right? And I, I'm curious to know what you think it, it says to us when, when we note that we're hearing it in Montreal, we're going to see, and in, in other marches, doctors out in, uh, on, in this march, lawyers closing their offices so that they and their staff can take part of it, businesses closing down so their employees can join the march and, and also so they can send a message of support and awareness by closing their doors. What does it say about how you think Canadian views of the urgency of this issue may be changing? It is very clear that Canadians are caring about climate change at a scale that we've not seen before. So for the first time, climate change is in the top three of issues on voters' minds as they head into the election. And it's amazing to see the diversity of businesses, of communities, of uh, different kinds of uh, private sector leaders that are getting engaged. And the way in which they're kind of using this similar messaging of, we care about climate change. We care about climate change because we care about you know, the workforce that we are a part of. We care about this neighborhood that we live in. I think people are really taking climate change uh, as something that's personal.
right now. And when climate change is made personal, it also gets political. And I think that is why it's coming into play in the Canadian election in such a big way. And let's talk about that. The marches, as, as you know, and as we know, come in the middle of our federal election campaign. The top issue climate change is Justin Trudeau and Elizabeth May. They'll be at the Montreal March. Jagmeet Singh will be in Vancouver, uh, sorry, in Victoria at the march there. And Andrew Scheer is taking a pass on the march, but says there will be conservative candidates at the march. And I guess I'm wondering how you think the political leaders are reading the concern around this issue? I am really encouraged to see that, you know, three of the four major federal parties have released substantial climate plans as part of their platform. It's great to see that the leaders are prioritizing not just the marches, but also having conversations with young people and others across the country about this issue. It is disappointing that uh, Andrew Scheer has not prioritized it in a similar way. And I know personally, because I know many of them, that conservatives care about climate change just as much as voters for any other party. And I think that <clears throat> their party le leaders are really letting them down. Uh, we saw a climate plan come from Mr. Scheer that doesn't mention doing the one thing that we know we need to do if we're going to address climate change, and that's drive, drive emissions down. And so I think there's an opportunity here for all of the parties to take some good leadership from each other and to think about how they can actually break through those partisan barriers to cooperate on this issue. Very quickly, what do you think happens to this? Uh, we'll, we'll see the big march, but in less than 30 seconds here, uh, how does the issue stay uh, alive for Canadians after the election campaign? Well, it stays alive well into the election, and that election moment is just the beginning. So we will see Canadians after that election demanding that the party that wins follows through with climate action and goes to the next UN climate meeting in Chile in December with some strong climate priorities on their agenda. All right, Catherine Abreu, always good to talk to you. Thanks for your perspective tonight. Pleasure. Let's spend a little time now focusing on the campaign battleground in British Columbia and specifically Vancouver Island. NDP uh, leader Jagmeet Singh campaigned there today and for good reason. These could be some of the last results coming in on election night in some very tight races. CPAC's Ed Watson is on the ground on Vancouver Island. He joins me now. Ed, good to see you again. Thanks for being with me. My pleasure. Seven seats on Vancouver Island. Why are they so important to watch? Well, as you say, they, they could very much uh, de depend who forms government. If it's a, a very tight race, uh, the NDP or the Greens could end up being the kingmakers. Um, and uh, they, the, the Vancouver Island area has traditionally been NDP territory, uh, kind of fortress NDP, if you like. Uh, up until recently, of course, when uh, Paul Manley won a by-election in Nanaimo and uh, Elizabeth May, the Green leader, has a seat uh, just north east of, uh, of Victoria and Saanich Gulf, Saanich Gulf Islands. So I think if you, if you want to know what's going on on Vancouver Island, you have to look at the provincial picture. In 2017, the Greens won three seats on southern Vancouver Island, uh, taken away from, um, from the NDP. And they went on to form a government with the New Democrats, even though the BC Liberals ended up with more seats. Uh, they squeezed by and they formed a government. And I think that a lot of people particularly on the centre-left, believe that that has worked quite well. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some green gains uh, federally in the upcoming vote. Is this really sort of ground zero for that battle everybody has talked about between the Greens and the NDP? 
I would say so, yes. Um, as I say, there's a, there is a, a provincial um, Green presence here. Uh, also, the Greens have got uh, some pretty good candidates. There's a couple of cases uh, uh, in uh, Victoria, for example. Um, Murray Rankin is uh, stepping down. He's not running again. And so that, that seats up for grabs. Uh, in Victoria proper, however, I think the Liberals have got a pretty good uh, a chance at that even though it's been NDP since David Anderson's days. Um, I spoke to a, a, a senior liberal strategist just before the writ was dropped, and, and they thought that they might be able to take Victoria because uh, the center-left, if you like, would be split between the NDP and the Greens. So um, Vancouver Island is very much a, an area of uh, environmentalism. Um, you know, the, the environmental movement generally is very strong here. And you have concerns about the Trans Mountain Pipeline, tankers going uh, up and down the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And uh, I think that a lot of people might take a look at some of the Green candidates. Okay, what, what are you seeing in... Uh, I mean, clearly the environment, uh, we know, uh, is a big issue there. Uh, what are you seeing and, and, and hearing on the ground? I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you know, often when you watch the parties and how they work, you, you can get a sense of whether they believe the narrative that everybody else is talking about, that they're in a tough fight or that they have gains to make or seats to lose. So what are you seeing and hearing there? I think that the NDP is on the defensive. I think that um, the party went in from a national level. The party went into the election uh, perhaps not as organized as, uh, as some of the members within the party would have liked. And I think that the, the, the Greens uh, believe, and I think with some justification, that they, they're on a bit of a roll. Uh, Paul Manley's victory in a by-election in Nanaimo surprised a lot of people, a lot of new Democrats and a lot of pundits, this one included. Um, because Nanaimo has been a, an NDP stronghold uh, back, I think, actually, uh, Tommy Douglas held that seat, or what was then part of that seat, uh, many years ago. So it's very much an area that the NDP has counted on for support, and it went to a green. Now, what's going to happen there uh, with, you know, coming up next month is hard to say, because obviously by-election results don't often uh, translate into a general election victories, but I think that the Greens believe, and I think grudgingly the NDP would admit, that the Greens are on a bit of a roll. Okay, you, you are in the riding of uh, Esquimalt Sanage Sook as we speak. It was held by the NDP and Randall Garrison in the last uh, parliament. What's the story to watch for there? In the, in the minute or so, minute and a bit we have left, tell me about that. Uh, the story to watch really is a guy by the name of David Murner. Murner used to be the president of the federal party in British Columbia. He ran for the Liberals in the last election in this riding, came in second. Uh, Garrison beat him handily, but he did, he did quite well. And now he is a Green Party candidate. Uh, so he ran for the Liberals, if that wasn't clear, in the last election, came in uh, second. And now he's running for the Greens. Says that he changed parties uh, after Justin Trudeau uh, uh, didn't go ahead with his proportional representation promise and also when he bought the pipeline and proved the Trans Mountain Pipeline. So I think uh, the uh, I think that will be the dynamic. It's whether or not Murner can take enough uh, support away from Garrison. Uh, the Conservative here uh, isn't uh, uh, expected to win. The, the riding hasn't gone to the right since the reform sweep of the 80s, I guess it was, uh, when Keith Martin won it. So it's, it, it has a center-left uh, history, and I think the, the, the fight really will be between the NDP and the Greens. All right, so uh, lots to watch for on uh, Vancouver Island. should also point out that Ed's been in Edmonton, too, and in just a few moments from now we're going to see uh, Ed's riding profile of two seats to watch. And, in, the, in and around the city of Edmonton. Ed Watson, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Likewise. Good night.
Now we will turn our attention to the battle on the ground in Alberta. The Liberals bucked tradition in Alberta in the last election by unseating Conservatives in two ridings in Edmonton. Uh, anger at the Liberals has built in Alberta over the past four years, though, and now those two prominent Liberal candidates face a tough challenge trying to pull off a repeat. Here is Ed Watson. He's back with ridings to watch. This is a tale of two ridings, two Edmonton communities, one urban, one suburban, where two prominent liberal politicians are looking to buck the trend in Alberta politics for a second time, and this time against what may be even bigger odds. How you guys doing? Amarjeet Sohi became a federal cabinet minister by a 92-vote margin and a judicial recount. In 2015, he became a rookie Liberal MP and has most recently served as the Minister of Natural Resources. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Amarjit Sohi? Yeah, I know. I remember your face. Nice to see you. Sohi is running in Edmonton Mill Woods, literally. He wears runners as he goes door to door. He's facing the same opponent he narrowly beat in 2015. And just across the city, in the riding of Edmonton Centre, another Liberal is in a similar situation. Free coffee or free hot chocolate on the way to work? Um, Randy. Hi. I'm the Liberal candidate. Hi. Okay. And recent MP. Oh, What's congratulations, your name? Katie. Katie. I think I was at the Gay Pride run. Oh, yeah? I recognize you. There you go. Pride. Yeah, that was a good run. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. That's my card. Working hard Thank to earn you. your support in the yeah, election. Absolutely. Liberal Thank Randy you. Boissonneau's victory in Edmonton Centre four years ago was a comparative landslide. He won by about 1,200 votes. And like his colleague to the South, he knows that organization and community outreach are essential in any close race. Free coffee? Free hot chocolate? No, I'm all set. Okay, have a great day. Thanks. See ya. Do people actually stop here and talk Oh yeah. We plant the seed one week, and then they come back the week after, the week after. One woman came here with six things she wanted to talk about. And then at the end of it, she's, you got my vote. What were the six things? All Indigenous. He has six questions about what we're going to do with and for Indigenous communities in the next mandate. So we talked about family and child reunification, we talked about uh, Indigenous languages, we talked about urban Indigenous issues, we talked about education, and we talked about housing. So, so she was... outreach corner. Yeah, exactly. And then this is sort of the permanent Thursday-Friday corner, and then we, we rove around the downtown uh, on Tuesdays. So Tuesday, Thursdays are coffees. Economically, the last four years haven't been kind to the people of Edmonton. This city is the service centre for the northern heavy oil industry. There are petrochemical plants and refineries nearby. In Mill Woods, some people literally have an oil pipeline running through their backyard, and they think nothing of it. Edmonton is the provincial capital. The city's unemployment rate is one of the highest in the country, 
homelessness is increasing, housing sales have slowed, and the people here are looking for some economic solutions. What issues are going to affect how you vote in the upcoming election? I think the economic, the current issue is the economic issue, and then the immigration issues, and also the climate change. I think these are the main issues that I will be voting for the upcoming elections. Oil and gas industry is our main concern right now. I think my main thing is, is my husband to get a job here. That would be nice. There's some, some work in the oil and gas field. That's where he, the industry he works in? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Kazakhstan right now, so yeah, there's not much here for him. So it'd be nice to have something here. My name's John Rose, and I'm chief economist for the city of Edmonton. We're in a difficult time economically, and uh, we're looking for solutions. Uh, now, the problem is, of course, that Ontario and Quebec and BC are doing very well. Thank you very much. And that's great. I'm happy for them. Uh, but um, there's a lot of concern that um, policies are being developed which are appropriate to those economies, but uh, not to us here in Alberta and in Edmonton. Hi there. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Hi, I'm James Cummings. I'm running for uh, federal office for the Conservative Party. Conservative James Cumming had the distinction of losing one of the closest races in the country. Liberal Randy Boissonneau beat him in Edmonton Centre in 2015. Cumming says the economy drove him to run originally, and that's his focus again this time. If I was fired up that I thought that we had to get the economic issues right four years ago, today it's actually even more uh, paramount that we get it right. So in 2015, uh, when you lost, it must have been a heartbreaking loss because it was quite close. Did you say that night, you know, I'm going to do this again, I want to, I want to, I want to rematch, or, or how did you get to the point of running again? I think that anybody runs for office, once you, once you go through something like that, you, you just take some time, you know. So I, I think in my mind was, we fought hard, we fought a good fight, and then you just need a little bit of space. So I went back to what I was doing before I ended up. Uh, running a business and, and going back to what I knew. Uh, but then as the election, as the term got closer, you start to go, you know, you know, we went to battle, uh, we're not done yet. And I had so many people that were helping me out and believed in me and believed in the story. And they said to me, you know, let's go at this again. Like, we, we can win this riding and we can win this riding back. So compelled with that, I unfinished business. And, and this time we're going to be successful. Tim Upple is the former Conservative cabinet minister who lost to Amarjeet Sohi in Edmonton Mill Woods. Remember, 92 votes? Upple remembers, and he's confident of winning this time. Is there something that we should know specifically about this race and this riding? I think it really to know what people are going through. That we hear numbers about the economy going so well, and but those numbers really reflect the reality in other parts of the country. They don't reflect the reality of what's happening in our neighborhoods right here in Mill Woods that people are struggling. People ha there's a lot of people who have been laid off, a lot of people who are not working as much as they used to. There's truck drivers that are, you know, are, are having a difficult time making their payments now. Um, tradespeople who used to do so well before are now ha having a hard time finding work. So that's the reality of what's happening here. And it, it's a direct reflection, it's a direct result of uh, policies that Justin Trudeau has brought in. Is Bill C-69, 48, and also um, the carbon tax, and, um, and just adding red tape, adding um, investor, it's hurting investor confidence is what it's doing. And so investors are leaving from Alberta, and that's really hurting the families that are here. I still think we need to get our oil out to the, the West Coast. Um, the oil's not going to go away immediately, so we need to foster um, that growth. Um, 
Yeah, and then actually I don't know who I'm going to vote for because it's just going to be very interesting. I'm more of the oil field supporter kind of person, so the money impact in the community is more important to me. But yeah, I'm more of like family, I guess, is my basic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to have, have to live, right? You have yes, to have yes, enough money. Yes, to live. yes, yes. And the way that I've seen things has just been declining recently, so I think we need a boost up in that for sure. I'm Heather Klemchuk, and welcome to my neighborhood. I'm the former MLA for Edmonton Glenora from 2008 to 2015. In the Edmonton Centre here, it's very diverse because we have homes and areas like this and, and businesses, but we also have the inner city with, of course, many issues of homelessness, um, uh, affordable housing, all of those issues. So it's a very diverse constituency for a candidate to, to door knock in for sure. My name is Elliot Tanti and I'm the Communications and Public Affairs Manager at Boyle Street Community Services in Edmonton. We've seen uh, you know, a consistent growth of homelessness and poverty in Edmonton. We will be a polling location for this federal election. We've been a polling location provincially and municipally multiple times in the past. Uh, we think it's important to provide a safe and accepting place uh, for people who are living in poverty or, or homeless to, to cast their ballot and have a, the say in the democratic process. Uh, we feel very passionate about that. And we work with our partners, in other partners in the inner city to get the word out so that people know that they can come here and cast a ballot on election day uh, without judgment and in a way, just like any other Canadian will be doing on that day. What about uh, Mill Woods? How does it compare? Mill Woods compares. It's more of a of a of a, a constituency, more more or less family family based. Um, they don't the have suburb, yeah, and they don't have they have a bit more commercial and some of the bigger shopping malls out there and and such. But still, the same challenges with families, with um, crime, um, with um, affordable housing, very similar kind of issues that that, that I see in in Edmonton Centre. And of course, all the new immigrants that are coming to to Edmonton usually will choose. Edmonton Centre to start with because it's affordable housing and then many of them end up in the outer communities, outlying communities like um, Edmonton Millwoods. So both of the communities have, have um, lots of growth, families moving in all the time. In your community, who do you think is more popular? Mr. Sohi or Mr. Appa? We like uh, liberal. Our Indian community and uh, Pakistan community like liberal because uh, he's a favorite in immigrants. That's why uh, we are uh, a favorite uh, in the Liberal Party. In ridings as diverse as Edmonton Mill Woods and Edmonton Center, and in races as close as these are, the biggest unknown factor may be the popularity of Justin Trudeau. Good evening. The Liberal Party's campaign has been entirely knocked off message. Liberal Amarjeet Sohi forced into damage control over an issue that could resonate with many voters in his riding. Will the issue of the blackface or the brownface pictures, will they have any impact on this, this race or this riding and this race? I, I have a long history of being an anti-racism activist uh, in uh, Edmonton. Uh, I led the city's... Uh, 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 anti-racism initiative, multiculturalism initiative. I have worked with uh, many of the local organizations that promote diversity uh, and my own history and my, uh, 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 and my own experience uh, 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 speaks uh, in a volumes of my commitment to, uh, to this area. So I'm not worried at all about uh, uh, having this uh, incident impact. Uh, Are people uh, talking about it on the... On the I, had, I had a number of conversations with uh, 
uh, uh, my constituents and my volunteers as well as some of the, the supporters. Uh, they absolutely know where my position is and they absolutely know that Prime Minister is committed to, uh, uh, to diversity and inclusion because they see his record. They see work we have done over the last four years. Um, so the, uh, the, the tweet that I sent out says, Justin Trudeau's racist pick and video really hit home because we have been helping our seven-year-old son deal with racism since he was told, you can't be my friend because you have brown skin. How do I explain to my kids now why the Prime Minister of Canada ridiculed who they are? Yeah. So it's uh, something that uh, you know, me and my wife had been talking about leading up to this. Is it a political issue or a personal issue? I think for me it's both. I think um, the disappointment and shock is, is very personal and, and, and um, you know, people like me who have actually faced this type of racism before, um, <clears throat> I think that's personal. Politically, it, it, I think comes back down to trust. You know, who is this guy really? Who is he? Um, is he uh, the person that, uh, that has said that he would defend people of um, you know, backgrounds, but then he himself has done this? And I think the other issue here too is that he has spent the last number of years wagging his finger at everybody else for things that they may or may not have done, um, not, you know, not giving them the benefit of the doubt, not, not uh, um, letting them explain. And, and now everybody's supposed to just, you know, in a, in a day or two say, okay, fine, you know what, that, that's fine, you, you've apologized. What issues are going to have an impact on who you vote for? Um, I've already decided that I don't see that there's any good options to vote for at this point. So um, I wish Paul Martin would come back from retirement. <laughs> yeah, I think that's unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I know it won't be Justin Trudeau. No? No. How come? Well, he he went um, he went back on a lot of the things that he promised, you know. And that, um, so no, I do, I'm not a supporter of him, and I was. Because I've got some children, they're kind of coming in that age now when they buy to buy properties. I'm finding that uh, you know, find affordable housing for them and finding houses for them to live particularly the East and Ontario and Ottawa and places like that are a bit of a challenge for them. So uh, to us that's a big, big issue, right? How are they going to deal with that in the future? The housing in general right across the country has jumped up quite a bit, you know. So how are kids or young people uh, going to get out on their own and be able to support themselves? Would you rather have... My name's Regan. I'm studying elementary education and I'm from Fort McMurray, Alberta. My name is Madeline, I'm from Beaumont, Alberta, and I'm studying a master's in human geography. My name is David Draper, I'm a third year political science student. Um, something I'm really interested in is uh, the national housing crisis, which is something that the previous government recognized and started to take steps toward, but I'm not really sure how um, other parties, or even if we elect uh, the same government again, how they would continue on that issue, um, as I think it is something that's increasingly pressing, particularly in the major cities, but also something that goes underexplored in rural areas as well. I definitely think rural housing is not something that people really think about as often. Like, it's just as big of a problem in a lot of smaller rural towns, and people just don't think of it as a rural problem. Something I really care about, one of my big passions um, is LGBTQ youth. And in Canada, there isn't a single LGBTQ youth homeless shelter, despite LGBTQ youth making up 40% of the youth homeless population. 
Uh, so I would really like to see our future government doing something with that to ensure that these people who are vulnerable in a vulnerable situation have as much safety as possible. I'd love to see some follow through. Uh, I know in the 2015 election, um, Justin Trudeau had promised a formal inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women, but they're still gone. He had also talked about making tuition free or even lessening it extremely, and that hasn't happened. I know as a university student, I was very stressed preparing for my first year. Um, there's a lot of times where these campaigns are definitely showboating and we're putting our faith into these people and they're not reciprocating it. Exactly. When our planet is under attack, what do we do? I came here just because I want to support the climate change. And I know that we need to make implements. You don't want to support climate change. <laughs> well, no, I want to, like, I don't know. Yeah, um, just, like, bringing awareness to the cause um, and also just being here and being present and showing support okay, for what's happening today I think is really important. Yeah. There's an, a federal election coming up. Oh, yeah. do, you, do you think that climate change should be a, a top issue? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. No, it has to be. No, it has to be, absolutely. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, we have to we have to make changes in the next ten years. Like, it is a... The next, like, six months even need yeah. to, like... No, totally. It's dire that we start making changes now. Yeah. And, like, that the government's actively involved yeah, totally. with youth because youth, we are the future. We are the future. Yeah, so, yeah no, we're like, the people who are going to be affected by all the things that are happening now. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's only appropriate that the government takes that into consideration and actually acknowledges that we're in danger and that the youth is in and danger. And we have voices yeah, and we, that are just as important as adult voices. Yeah, 100%. And here we go. Just what message would you like to deliver to the leaders of the federal parties, the politicians? Um, I would say that um, maybe be more long-sighted in your thinking. Like I think a lot of our policies are very short-sighted, um, and to think about your kids and like uh, like there's the old teaching of the seventh generation from now. So. Um, if you can start thinking about what life on earth will be like in seven generations and start making your policy more towards them. So climate change, is that an issue in this, in this election? It is. I, I think it is. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue that we have to take seriously. There's um, a serious plan that the Conservatives have come up with, one that acknowledges that this is a global problem and we should have global solutions for it. I think uh, locally here, uh, I've been talking to a lot of uh, uh, residents who, who, about our plan that we would provide tax uh, credits or support for them to be able to renovate their homes, to make it more green, to, to deal with it there. Um, but I think one of the more exciting parts of the plan is to be able to export our technology and ideas that we've developed here um, you know, in, the, in the oil sands, but also in, in, in our natural resources sector overall. We operate at a, such a high standard to be able to um, uh, extract our resources and... and you mean environmental standards. Environmental standards, right? And so if, if other countries came up to the standards that we're at, we would be able to help you know, global uh, environment situation in, in a major way. So why don't we work with other countries in, in helping them improve those standards? I think that's something that we should be doing. Um, the Liberal plan to just tax people uh, with, through the carbon tax isn't working. It's making life more, more expensive for people. It's less affordable, but it actually hasn't changing their habits. They're still driving. They still have to drive to work. They still have to heat their homes in a city like Edmonton. Hello. 
How are you? Doing okay. How about you? Good. My name is Amarjeet Sohi. I knew who you were. Oh, nice, nice to, to see you. you. Nice to see you. I'm here to ask you. We have election coming up in October. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my first term, end of the first term. And yep. I'm here to ask you if, I'm, uh, if I have lived up to your expectations as your member of parliament. I'm going to be honest. I have not uh, paid full attention to everything that's going on right now. So we lowered taxes for middle class families. Okay. We uh, increased benefits for uh, kids, families with kids through Canada Child Benefit. We okay. increased the benefit. We made it tax-free. It has lifted half of the kids who were living in poverty in 2015 no longer live in poverty here in Alberta. Right? Okay. So it's very important uh, 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 benefit for families. Uh, we, I like building pipelines to yep. get our resources to global markets, taking a very strong action on climate change to make sure we're protecting our environment for future generations. Yep. And I lived in this community for 35 years. I'm really committed to Millwoods. Uh, I try to do my best to represent you. Yep. And I'm here to ask uh, if uh, you think I have done a good enough job, have a look at the brochure, and I hope I can count on your support. Well, I'll let you know. Like, I'm definitely yeah, looking in and choosing. I'll give your office a call. But there are, you feel there's policy reasons that Alberta is sort of uh, in, a, in a recession? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I can think of two specific bills. Bill C-69, which in my mind is a very flawed bill. It, had, uh, it, it was so flawed that there's uh, over 100 amendments that were proposed and, and granted that the Liberals accepted 60-some of those am amendments. But that is fundamentally flawed. You're going to take a bill and you're going to amend it so significantly that it, it, it's got so many holes in it. And industry has said it doesn't work, even in its amended form. environmental assessment. Yeah, the yeah. C69 environmental assessment. And so industry said it doesn't work. And most of the provinces have said it doesn't work either. So that's a government that's not listening. That's a government that's not hearing what industry said. And then the tanker ban, uh, C48. It just impedes the ability of Alberta to get the resources to market. And, and uh, you know, the, the market's going to be there, and we need to be able to participate. In this spring's provincial election, Jason Kenney's Conservatives swept most of the province. Kenney criticized federal policies and New Democrats, but with the exception of one riding, voters in Edmonton rejected the Conservatives and voted NDP. Uh, hi there, my name is Nigel. I'm just in the neighborhood introducing myself. I'm the, I'm the federal NDP candidate in the upcoming election. Okay. I don't know how close you're following things so far. A little bit. What are you thinking? It's interesting. Yeah, this riding is a, seems to be a, a bit of a three-way race, especially because yeah. you know Amarjeet's very popular, but the Liberals are, I keep hearing a lot of anybody but Liberal. So exactly. uh, the big thing we're running on is, of course, universal pharmacare, so yeah. prescription coverage. Uh, but we also want to bring in dental, vision, and mental health coverage into the universal program because your eyes and your teeth are part of your body. Right. So why we wouldn't consider that uh, is a question that I'm, I kind of wonder about. I don't know if you had any questions for me. Nope, nothing. So let me just confirm, you're Jeffrey? Correct. Nice to meet you, Jeffrey. Nice to meet you. Uh, my website has all the contact information. Uh, our campaign office is over up by the Anytime Fitness by Leon's. Okay. So if you feel like stopping in, um, come have a chat. Nice to meet you, Jeffrey, and you, you have a good one. You too, thank you. Well, right behind you is a liberal sign. That's an incumbent yep. liberal, one of two uh, in this area. Yep. Um, and, and, I mean, if you, if you listen to the analysts, it's going to be between uh, Mr. Soe and Mr. Apple. 
maybe so. But uh, to that, I would say, you know, you know, two years ago, Jigmeet ran for the NDP leadership, and he had over a thousand new memberships in this riding alone. Uh, he's personally quite popular. Uh, and I've noticed that transcended party lines to an extent. Hi, it's Catherine Swampy. I'm outside the building. We were hoping we can go inside and canvas. I'm here with the NDP. What's your message to people when you talk to them on the door? I'm talking to them about universal health care. I want to increase universal health care so that dental, vision and mental health are included. I talked to them about pharmacare so that pharmaceuticals are covered by the government because that was the original universal health care and then all of a sudden it wasn't included. But there's a lot of people who are struggling. They can't pay their rent and buy their medication at the same time and they're forced to make a decision like that. Nobody should be put in that kind of situation. Uh, I'm also running on affordable childcare. I am a mother of five and raising children is crazy expensive. So I would like to ease that financial burden. Or I shouldn't say financial burden. What am I saying? They're not financial burden. I love them. It's a financial pain. <laughs> <laughs> but they're expensive. <laughs> but children are expensive. So universal health care uh, and universal child care are the two big things that I'm pushing for. So you would think that you've got a pretty good chance. I would think so, but because of the numbers and the, the amount of people who are telling me they just want to vote strategically, you know, they're more afraid, if anything, of a conservative government than they are just really voting for their values. The amount of people who've told me, I really want to vote for you, I really want to vote NDP, I really love your guys' policies and your platform. But I'm so afraid that if I vote for you, the conservative guy is going to win. Look at these sparkly girls going to school. You look awesome. Have a great day. Bye. I can tell you what I get I, in order. I get jobs, then the environment, yep. then uh, TMX. So build the pipe, get it done. And then I get health care and I get education. Those are the top five things that matter to the residents of Edmonton Centre. So whether it's jobs training, skills training, you've seen the students here yeah. going to U of A. I've got Nate in the riding, Northern Alberta Institute yeah. of Technology. We've got McEwen, we've got Norquest. So Edmonton Centre is a real centre of, of education and skills upgrading and learning. And so look, if people don't understand what we've done on TMX or why we spent four and a half billion dollars to buy the line, and if they don't realize that construction starts this week, and that we're serious about seeing it done, then yeah, we're gonna get some, some uh, questions on the doors. But my job is to look people in the eye, get past the Facebook memes, and actually say, here's what we're doing, and here's why it matters. And I hope that I can continue your support. Okay, we'll see, you know, uh, right now I'm thinking. Okay, now please have a look at the brochure, yeah. and if you need more information, do let me know. Okay. And uh, my contact information is at the card. Okay, thank okay. you. Okay, yeah, thank, thank you so you. much for your time, yeah. really appreciate you it. have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. Yeah, bye, bye. Yeah. Hello, James. Hey, how are you, Gord? Good <laughs> to see you. I was just reading your email. Were you? The five different ways I can support you. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so I money is what Fant you Hey, fantastic. I really How's appreciate it. Going? It's going great. Yeah. yeah. I've got the CPACs so filming today. Thing. Yeah. So I hope you don't mind. Not at all. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, so all's well? Yeah, all's well, and we've supported you a couple of times financially. Yeah. I don't get around enough. Where yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Okay. Thanks, Corey, appreciate it. Bye-bye. When Edmontonians vote in Millwoods and Edmonton Centre, they will be picking between a field of strong candidates. 
and the results are expected to be quite close. How are you folks doing? You get some young For the Conservatives, it's all about the economy and sending a message to Justin Trudeau. Go, go. And the Liberals and New Democrats know they will have to work very hard to counter that narrative. For CPAC, this is Ed Watson in Edmonton.